Hello and welcome to Sustain. We are here today at Fosse in Portland, Oregon, in a large conference center, which is kind of fun. Very excited to have some guests on today for these sort of conference podcasts. For this episode, I'm your only host. I'm Richard Litauer, and I am joined today by Matthew Wild and Stephen Weber. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. You, Steve, how are you doing? Doing very well. I am doing well. Thank you for asking, Matthew. <laughs> so. Both of you are joining me today because you both work on the XMPP protocol or with it, which mm-hmm. is maybe a better way of saying that because I know it's a very large protocol that's been going on for a while. Can you tell me a bit about what you do there? Sure. Lots of things. My primary thing that I work on at the moment is Snicket, which is trying to make XMPP like user-friendly for like friends and family groups and things like that. So XMPP is lots of different things, but I'm trying to focus on that particular niche just because that's what really drives me like my family were using whatsapp a few years ago and i just i'd been working on xmpp so long i was like we need to fix this so that's how i ended up working on snicket cool and steven yeah so the main project that i work on is really interested in helping people connect with their friends and family who haven't yet migrated over to an xmpp based stack and we run a project called JMP that lets people uh, get phone numbers and do SMS to end phone calls to communicate with their friends and family uh, where they're already at to help them transition, hopefully eventually, to something like Snicket. That is really cool. Okay. First question, as a novice user who's mainly heard about XMPP today, I'm sure I ran across it some other time in the past, but why is it a better protocol to use for an app like Snicket than me just, say, using Signal? So the difference with Signal mainly is that Signal is owned by a single organization. It runs servers like primarily in the US on like US cloud providers and so on. The difference with XMPP is that it's federated, so anyone can run their own. People can use existing XMPP compatible providers or they can run their own XMPP service. So Snicket supports both models, whereas with Signal and, and similar centralized systems, you basically have to trust just that one operator and comply with their terms of service and their jurisdiction and, and so on. So with XMPP, you just get more choice. Interesting. Cool. How is it different from, say, Matrix? So there are basically three protocols that I consider very similar in their models. And one is XMPP, the other is Matrix, and the other is Delta Chat. They are all basically aiming to produce open federated networks. And so they're very similar to each other. The difference is a lot of them are technical in different design decisions that they're making. Like Delta Chat is pretty unique in that it's trying to build on top of the existing email network. And Matrix has this sort of replicated model where everything is replicated everywhere. So it's very resilient if like nodes go down and and things like that. XMPP is I consider it the best because it's what I work on, but I, I understand the, the pros and cons of each of the approaches. I prefer XMPP because it's, it's lighter weight. The model of XMPP is very similar to how people think. So w- when you're using a provider, your data is at that provider. And if you migrate somewhere else, then it's, you know, at the other provider. There's no like this replication thing going on. And also you don't have like the latency involved with email and stuff like that. So compared to the other two, that's why I work on XMPP compared to those. But being pragmatic, like I ultimately just want to see open messaging work. And if any of these three make it, then I'm absolutely fine with that. So that's kind of my perspective on things. And Steven, it sounds like your job at JMP, was that right? 
seems to be about helping to convert the masses to using these awesome protocols. Is it true for you as well that any of them will do? Yeah, I think that that's mostly true for us. We do already even have an alpha support for people to use the phone numbers over Matrix just in case people want to play around with that. I think there's a lot of questions around scalability and funding models and stuff with Matrix the way it is today and and the amount of control that, that the Matrix Foundation has. But like Matthew said, anything that opens up communication for everybody is a win, and we definitely want to see everybody working together for that goal. I hadn't been aware of any questions around Matrix funding models. That's really interesting to me. Can you tell me about your funding model? Sure. So for us at JMP, we're pretty straightforward, you know, pay for service sort of deal because we are doing interconnection with the phone network. Each person who comes on has to get, has to have a phone number that people can send the messages to and whatever, and we have to pay for those anyway. And so we do charge for that. And so it's a pretty straightforward model in terms of just being a kind of a traditional business model where people pay a monthly fee and then they get service and and that works. But then we're able to use the funds that we get out of those kind of products and use them to fund things like Matthew's development on Snicket and other things that aren't as obviously directly related to what we do, but are sort of in the same ecosystem and helping towards the same goal. Yeah. And ideally, if Snicket's good enough to have lots and lots of users on it, then it improves your service and everyone wins, right? Exactly. You tell me how large is Snicket at the moment? A good question. I don't exactly know because people can just self-host it. And so I have some stats like there are at least 4,000 people using the Snicket app on Android from Google Play. But actually, most of our users, if you ask them, they've downloaded it from F-Droid instead, which has no statistics. And then there are people running their own servers, and I just have no way to figure that out. I intentionally designed it so that I didn't have a way to figure that out. So it's very tricky. We have a growing hosted platform in beta, and there's about 700 people using that right now. And yeah, so I don't have a full insight, but I'm happy with the way things are going. It seems to be all all going up. We've got a lot of people in the community joining all the time, so it's it's good. Tell me about the governance model for Snicket itself. How many developers are working with you as maintainers? That's really tricky because... So Snicket builds on top of a bunch of existing open source projects that are XMPP-based. One of them I started, Prosody, which is the server component. And then there are open source apps for the phones, like Conversations on Android and Siskin on iOS. And so they're all slightly different. With Prosody, I mainly work alongside three other developers, just working on features and stuff. And that's sort of the low-level core of the XMPP stuff that powers Snicket. But yeah, tying Snicket together, it's mostly just me, like, managing all these different components and and plugging them together and making sure they've got the right amount of polish and and so on. Really, really cool. And Stephen, with JMP, how many people work at JMP? One, two, three, four, five now. Cool. How long have you been in business? I'm just curious. Six and a half years. Cool. Has it been focused on this aspect of like helping out the protocol for the entire time? Yes, exactly. That's basically what it was founded on. I like that. Um, I don't see a whole ton of open source businesses that are working basically as like a traditional business model. Can you tell me when into that thought process? And I guess it's working. So that's hooray. It's awesome. But I'm just really curious about it. We just don't see that many. Yeah, I will. I will tell you there are a couple of factors that went into it. But one of them is that I have long time observation that is the same as yours. Yeah. That a lot of people aren't doing this. And I always thought to myself, I don't see why. Everybody always wants to think like, oh, we'll be like Red Hat and we'll sell support or we'll do this weird thing over here that isn't technically monetizing the product directly. 
And I thought, why can't just people will pay if you ask them to pay. And so part of it was just on a basis of saying, let's try this. Let's prove that this is a thing you can really do. Not that we were not that we're totally pioneers in this field, obviously, you know, conversations with selling their app in the Play Store long before we came along. And that's certainly a traditional style of business model also where they're just it's a fully GPO app, but they're selling it to people. And that's been a, a big part of how he's funding for a long time. And there are some other examples, but we definitely wanted to, to really go for it and say, can we build a full business, not just a part of one guy's income on basically a traditional business model and everything is AB, AGPL. And so far, the answer is definitely yes. So you're in Ontario. I'm curious, are you a cooperative or? We are a cooperative. Yes. Excellent. That is really, really cool. Much easier to do that in Canada. I really wish everyone just lived in Canada. <laughs> Tell me how many users you have right now. I would say that we have about 3,300 paying customers at the moment. Cool. What proportion of the company is dedicated to, say, marketing to get more? Basically none of it. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we do some things you would consider marketing. We have a blog where we write about various things that we're doing, which is obviously intended to help with SEO. And we get on Hacker News from time to time and different things like this. I mean, that is definitely a form of marketing. And also we've done a lot, a big part of our marketing traditionally has actually been going to people where they are and we'll see people asking questions about our product or a related product on some privacy subreddit somewhere or things like this and just being helpful and saying, hey, I have an answer to your question. Not I have an answer to your question and it's us, but just like, hey, you know, here's some things you might want to think about and people really respond to that. And then it's been largely driven by word of mouth, I would say. So I'm thinking about five people. I'm thinking about an Ontario level of dev payment and 3,300 doesn't match up. Can you tell me how the remuneration of your employees works? Yeah, sure. I can tell you that. So it's not really a big secret that myself and the other primary founder of the project do not pull money out of the project. At the Got time. It. We're working because we want to see it succeed. The other three are paid. They're not paid at dev levels, but also two of them are support staff and not devs. Anyways, and everybody is on board for the goals and whatever. The way that our remuneration officially works is that we have a fairly low, certainly above minimum wage, but fairly low by dev standards base salary. And then we bonus people out because we're all in the co-op and we're all sharing in the ownership anyway. We bonus out every year, whatever is left primarily amongst the people who get paid and not the people who are intentionally not getting paid. Got it. Okay. So I'm really curious because it, it speaks about like the long-term viability and sustainability practices that you're working on. So give me a snapshot. Where would you like to be in like five, 10 years? Yeah. Someone asked me this just yesterday and it's difficult because my personal goals, as I said earlier, like this open communication thing, everyone has their freedom of, of choice in what service they use and, and so on, but everyone can still talk to each other. So ultimately that implies that it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone has to be using Snicket for me to be, you know, happy with reaching those goals. But at the same time, I think there is a big market for Snicket. Families with children that are too young for a smartphone, for example, my own children use it on a tablet and they kind of launched it during lockdown and they were using it to video call their grandparents and stuff like that. So there was just no way I was going to like get them a phone and sign them up to WhatsApp or give them a Facebook account and things like that. So, and I see the same thing being repeated. So I think it stands on its own as a product and I would like obviously to see that grow. But my personal goal with regards to messaging is it's literally just anyone can message anyone else and they don't have to sign up for a particular service and comply with a particular set of privacy policies and, and so on. That's awesome. What about you? 
I would say for me, I really want to see us get to a place where we're sustainably funding enough of the XMPP ecosystem that cool. we don't have so many people wearing so many hats and doing so much little bits of money from here and there trying to pull their lives together. And we actually have something that we can see and, and more people, more especially more de developer and UX energy joining the ecosystem to really up-level what's happening. Because right now there's a lot of people involved, but a lot of people are spare time or whatever. And so there's a very small number of people who have a very large amount of influence, not because there are a few people, but because they're the few people who have a lot of time to dedicate because of they've managed to get that. And I'd like to see both more people doing spare time stuff because more people are interested and more, and we make the whole process easier to get people in. And I'd also like to see the sustainability that we're trying to drive towards spreading across the ecosystem more effectively. I really appreciate that. We had a guest on earlier, Sam, who did a Golang instance for XNPP, who also works just in his spare time to keep that running. So I would love to see more money to, towards people like that so they can also be more invested in more time. I guess a question I have regarding ecosystem level investments and ecosystem level desires is how do you target the XMPP ecosystem versus every other ecosystem out there? The Node ecosystem, the Golang ecosystem, the browser ecosystem. Like there's so many other things which are essential towards better privacy, better tech rights, or just better access to the internet in general. Uh, why this one, besides the fact that you're already working on it? Pretty much that. I mean, I've just always had a passion for communication. I think all of those things that you mentioned, they all already have foundations behind them. And so I'm also on the board of directors of the XMPP Standards Foundation. Cool. So a lot of my time is spent on figuring out these kinds of things. And basically, if I wasn't doing it, there would be a big gap and I would be sad. So <laughs> that's kind of why I do what I do. Stephen? I think communication is very important. It's one of the, the most key pieces. And it's one of the things that I see most getting swallowed up by the proprietary silos and in the most damaging ways, right? When you have a little app to tell you some funny thing or a game or whatever, like these things are certainly software freedom issues, but they don't impact people's overall life as much as, oh, you're not on iMessage, so I can't talk to you. Oh, yeah. you're not on Zoom, so I can't talk to you. And I think that communication is something that is one of the hardest things to solve because of the network effects, but it's also one of the most important things to solve because of those network effects and how it affects every single person who wants to live in freedom. Where can people learn more about JMP online? We're jmp.chat. Is that J-N or J-M? J-M. J-M-P.chat. And where can people learn more about Snicket? Snicket.org. And where can people learn more about you, Stephen? I'm singpolymod.net. That's me. And matthewild.co.uk. And you can also find those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming and chatting today. I hope you enjoy the conference. I really love what you're doing. It's really awesome. I'm probably going to go install Snicket or some other XMPP protocol level app after this. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you're curious about Fosse, where these were recorded, go to sfconservancy.org, to the Software Freedom Conservancy's website, where you can learn more about it. It's been really, really fun to be here and have these great conversations about free and open source software. Of course, if you've liked this podcast, please let us know. Like us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it. Email us at podcast at 
or give us any thoughts or comments or queries or complaints. We would love to hear them. And of course, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the single best way to get more listeners on this podcast. And hopefully you think that that's something we should have. If you would like to donate, you can go to Open Collective to sustain OSS, where you can donate to the production cost for this podcast, which is not free. So that would be super, super great. And of course, you can join in the conversation yourself by going to discourse with the same OSS.org to go chat. And you can follow us on Twitter at the same OSS, on Mastodon, and I believe on Blue Sky. So thank you so much for listening and take care. Bye.